You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. If you could stand to honor the reading of God's Word, uh, the words will be on the screen. You can also look up Acts chapter 2 in your Bible if you brought your Bible or your digital device. Uh, We're going to look at just a, a, a short paragraph, Acts chapter 42. I mean, chapter 2, beginning with verse 42, and this is the word of the Lord. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all uh, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You may be seated. So in 2019, I preached on this passage in Acts chapter 2. I was just beginning my, my, my tenure here as uh, the lead pastor of Meadowbrook. And, uh, and a lot has changed since 2019, right? We, I was here just a little over a year or so, and then, we got, then, then the pandemic happened, and then uh, now here we are. I'm curious... Just by a show of hands, how many that are in this room have been attending Meadowbrook, uh, were attending Meadowbrook, and still are, obviously, because you're here, before the pandemic? Just a show of hands. Okay. All right. Good to know. How many of you uh, started coming to Meadowbrook sometime during the pandemic or after the pandemic? Raise your hand. Just want to see. All right. Cool. Uh, a lot has changed. Uh, the, the demogra- I think the, the, the mindset of our nation has changed. Uh, the, the church, the, the American church, has changed and is changing in a lot of ways. Uh, there were those who, statistically speaking, who uh, call themselves Christians who never even who've not come back to church yet, have not come back to that, to that place of, of fellowship yet. There are those who said they were believers or said they were Christian who renounced the faith. I, uh, Christianity Today, I put out an article. I have not yet had the chance to read it. But uh, there's an article, on the, and it's on their front page, of just scores of pastors who have either, either left the ministry as a result of the pandemic or are contemplating leaving the ministry altogether as a result. A lot has changed. But what has not changed is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what has not changed is what God is doing in and through his church. And so I just want to pause just for two weeks, this week and next week, to reflect on this church that we see in Acts and, and, and this, this, this model of the church that I believe is for every church in the world. Like when I read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, what I think in my mind is, 
Why not? Why, can't, why, why should this not happen today? Why should we not expect to experience Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 today? And so out of that sermon in 2019 came our vision statement, came those three words that you see out in the, in the foyer, the cafe area, pray, engage, develop. And I just think it would be good for us to reflect upon these words again because in a lot of ways, Meadowbrook, Meadowbrook Church has changed. The face of our congregation on some level you know, has changed. And so uh, I just want to spend some time in his word. So we're going we're gonna to look at some things. And, and so there are four things that we see that are true of the church in Acts. They didn't nail it down perfectly, but there are four things that were true of them that I believe God used as a way of or as a catalyst to turn their world upside down. And when I mean the world, I mean the Roman world. They literally turned the empire upside down. And it started with this, this small group of, of Christians in Acts chapter 2. And the four things that were true of them was that they were devoted to the Word of God, they were devoted to one another, they were devoted to prayer, and they were devoted to the mission of God. Those are the four characteristics we see in here. And so, you know, last week, you remember, I had a missionary up here, I won't name him, but he had made a comment of, of how the pandemic has affected the church in his part of the world and how there wasn't really a whole lot of difference between his part of the world and our part of the world and, and, and that God is doing something in the midst of his people. So they, were devoted, they devoted themselves to the word of God. Here's, here's the thing about, this is my, my heart for Meadowbrook, this is my heart for, for us as we move forward as a fellowship, as a community of followers of Christ, and that is, I, my prayer for Meadowbrook is that we would be serious about God. And what I mean by serious about God is that we would be madly in love with him and, and to, the, to the degree that our love for him and, our, and the love that we experience from him will shape everything that we do as a congregation. That not only will we open up the scriptures on Sunday morning together, but this would become the culture of our church family. So these Christians, they devoted themselves to God. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which was the word of God. How did they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching? Well, they listened to the Word of God, and they applied the Word of God to their lives, and it affected their day-to-day -day living. Like this wasn't just some fable that they, that they uh, you know, honored or, or respected. It wasn't like, it, it, you know, I saw Doctor Strange, the, the, the latest Doctor Strange movie on Friday with my boys. You know, that's a story. But for the apostles and for this first-century church, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was not just a story, it was reality. And because it was reality, it affected their lives as it should affect our lives today. To be devoted to the apostles' teaching is to be devoted to the Word of God, or as we call it, the Bible. That's why every Sunday when we read the Scriptures, before I even start preaching, we stand. Because we believe that every single word in this book is the word of God. I'm convinced of it. 
There is no authority outside of this book. Everything about me, everything about you, what you feel, what I feel, must be subject to the authority of this word. It should shape the direction of, uh, of Meadowbrook. I, I've said from the very beginning that the, that, that the vision, I really do believe this, that the vision of a church should come from the pulpit. And from the pulpit you should be able to hear the word of God explained. To be devoted to the word of God is to listen to it and to obey it, not just listen to it and forget about it. One of the things that's been really good for, for Seth and, and I is we're reading through the Bible in a year together. And I've probably read through the Bible, I don't know how many times, but I never sat down and said, okay, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year and I'm going to do it with, with uh, one of my sons. It's been really good for us. One of the things that, that I've been reminded of as I've been reading through the, the Bible is one, it takes discipline <laughs> to read through the Bible in a year. When I had my uh, eye thing, when I was, I, you know, had my patch on, uh, I got behind in the, my Bible reading plan and then, then I, I found myself wanting to try and, you know, trying to catch up and just, to, just so I can be you know, at the same place where Seth was at, sometimes reading through the Bible can feel like a chore. And so I've been more mindful of that. You know, like a verse a day does not keep the devil away, right? How do we, how do we live our lives for, for the glory of God and, and, and for the good of our communities? How do we live our lives in a way uh, that, that looks more reflective of Jesus Christ. Well, it's not just reading the Word of God, not just hearing the Word of God, but obeying it. Obeying it. They, these, these Christians devoted themselves to the Word of God. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 11, the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. You know, like there's a lot of crazy things happening in the world today, Right? But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And the crazy things that are happening in our world today, you want to know something? It's just the same thing, different dress. Our world has always been jacked up. From the moment that Cain killed Abel, this world has not known peace, nor will it ever know peace until the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes, Jesus Christ. It's just the same thing, different dress. But the Bible says the people who know their God will stand firm and take action. This is why I'm so excited about starting a sermon series on a sermon. <laughs> the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, which is coming in two weeks. And we're going to take our time through that. Like, literally, take our time through it. Like, we're going to focus on the Beatitudes through the summer. And uh, I feel like, I feel like in er with everything that's happening in our world, we just need to pause and and reflect on something like the Sermon on the Mount. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be the church? These Christians, they devoted themselves to the Word of God. The Bible says that if you're going to boast about anything, boast about this. This comes from Jeremiah chapter 9. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows and understands me. So, so who is this God that we claim to, to, to love and to worship? Like, who, who is he? 
Well, he's the one who spoke everything out of nothing. If you're wondering, well, show me a chapter and verse. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read this together. This is one for the evolutionists. Ready? Here we go. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. How did God create everything? He created it, and he spoke it into existence, and he created it out of nothing. That is the God we worship. Maybe some of you in this room are feeling like, man, I'm just standing on ashes right now. That's what it feels like. Like, I've lost, a lot. maybe you're saying, Pastor Keith, I've, I've lost a lot this year. Maybe you're, you're grieving over the death of someone close to you. Maybe a mom, maybe, maybe a grandma, maybe somebody else. The God who calls you, if you're a Christian, the God who calls you son or calls you daughter is the God who spoke the galaxies into existence when there was nothing that existed except for himself in the fellowship of his trinity. God is the one who formed man out of the dust of the earth and made him in his own image. God is the one who was big enough to assign and did assign a name for every star in the universe. God is the one who, who delivered the Hebrews from the clutches of Pharaoh and his army. He's the one who parted the Red Sea with the breath of his nostrils. And as the Israelites made their way through the parting of of that sea, as it was parted, and and when they finally made it to the other side, the Bible tells us that God exhaled and 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 the waters came crashing down on Pharaoh and his army. God did that. God is the one who destroyed the city of Jericho with the sound of some trumpets and the shouts of his people. God is the one who conquered an army of 120,000 with just Gideon and 300 of his soldiers armed only with torches and uh, clay jars. God is the one who killed the giant of Goliath, the Goliath the giant, with a simple stone that was in David's sling. (laughs) David didn't kill him, God did, and he used that stone. God is the one who promised to deliver to every generation following Adam and Eve that he would make what's wrong with this world right, that he would reverse the curse of sin. God is the one who miraculously blessed Mary to be the mother to deliver that promised child, even though she was a virgin. God is the one who took on flesh in the person and work of his own son, Jesus Christ. God is the one who cursed his son while he hung on the cross in your place and in my place. And Jesus, God's son, was buried in a tomb, and on the third day rose from the grave. In fact, the Bible says this in Philippians chapter 2, that Jesus, that God exalted Jesus, exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the same power that raised Jesus from that grave is the same power that dwells in you, God's Holy Spirit. And he empowers you to live for him, to represent the King of Kings in a world that's so jacked up and so upside down right now. It's the same power that has sustained you even through a pandemic and will sustain you until the day you breathe your final breath. That's why I'm convinced of that promise in in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 8, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Well, how do I know that? Because the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that's sustaining me today. He keeps me, and he'll never let me go. That's the promise of the great shepherd, Jesus. And because the first century church devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, they understood they understood uh, their mission. They understood that this God would, would, will enable them to accomplish the mission that was given to them. They were convinced of these things, that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. And on the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Amen? Like, that's the truth, brothers and sisters. It is said that the Apostles' Creed, how many of you are familiar with the Apostles' Creed? Well, all of you are now familiar with it because I just told you it. I just shared it with you. It is said that, uh, that when people would be baptized, they would recite the Apostles' Creed. And that over, over the many years, uh, the Apostles' Creed would take form as these early Christians would say, yes, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. Even in light of the, the, the very real reality that because they believe these things, they might lose their lives as a result. Because as you know, the first 300 years of the church's existence uh, was a violent one. The Roman government, the empire, wanted nothing, didn't even want the church to exist and did everything in its power to, to, to wipe out Christianity. And the reason why it was not able to wipe out Christianity is because the head of the church is not some pastor. It is, it is a he, and he is Jesus Christ, the one who conquered death. You know, I, I'm reminded of Romans chapter 11. Because they believe these things, they felt this, right? Let's read this together. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I love that verse or those verses. You know what that uh, assures me of? It assures me that God is going to do what God can only do. He's going to turn everything that's wrong with this world around. And, and, the, and the crazy thing about this is he's decided to use the church to do it. Right? Like he, he's, we, are his, we are the bride of Jesus Christ. We're his ambassador. We're his hands. We're his feet. We are imperfect. <laughs> we, we are a mess. And yet he, he, he wants to use us anyway, regardless of, of that. You know, one of the motiv motivating reasons why I wanted to do, preach a series on the Sermon on the Mount, because most of you have been here since I arrived as the pastor here at Meadowbrook, I've said repeatedly that every sermon series that I have preached is really a sermon series to address my own heart. Honestly, that's, I feel like I have no business preaching if what I'm preaching has not first affected me. Uh, I, I'm baffled at how divided our nation is. I'm 
perplexed. I'm bothered by it. Sometimes I'm angered by it. And, uh, and I, I, I know that the church has a voice in the midst of all this that we find ourselves in. Like We live in a nation that is so polarized in a way that some ha- experts have said, and I'm reading a book uh, uh, by one expert who's a political philosopher, who, we have not experienced anything like what we're experiencing now, except for maybe what happened in the 60s and 70s. I think what we're experiencing now may be even worse than that. And it's called a, a cold civil war. Any of you ever hear of a cold civil war before? Some of you, uh, and, and the rest of you not. Well, what's a cold civil war? A cold civil war uh, is defined by John Belcher, who, who authored this book, titled Cold Civil War. I highly recommend it. I'm reading it now. He he said, unlike a hot war that uses tanks and bullets, the Cold Civil War is about cultural conflict, the clash of worldviews, protests, and riots. It's about two rival views of America, two different views of the Constitution, two opposing cultures, and two ways of life. And he goes on to say, because of this Cold Civil War, America is coming apart at the seams. We see the polarization on cable news, social media, talk radio, and in our national politics. It's like the two sides are talking about two different countries and two different political realities. That's the reality we find ourselves in. And what Belcher suggests in his book, and I believe him, is that the church ought to have a voice in the midst of that. The church ought to be living a different way, a better way, and offer a better way. That Christians ought not to be known by which political party they represent, but by the kingdom that they represent. That's that's the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) That the ethics of our kingdom is not Republican, it's not Democrat, it's the kingdom of God. And and these Christians were convinced of it in Acts chapter 2. If there were, I mean, their day and age was pretty divided. There was a lot of political unrest. These Christians, who were Jewish Christians in chapter 2, they experienced the tyranny of Rome, and yet they understood their place in the world, and their place in the world was that they represented the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I, 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 I'm convinced that in this day and age, we have a voice that, that, where we can speak into the division of our, of our nation as representatives of, of, of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know, we were made for this God. We were made to know him, and we were made to, 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 to live for him. And he sent us out. That's why Romans chapter 10 says, how will they know? If one is not sent to them, speaking to, about the unreached, speaking about people who don't know Jesus, how will they know unless a preacher is sent to them? Who is the preacher that has been sent to the world? You and me. <laughs> we, the church. We were made in his image. We reflect him. And, and the second thing, and I'm only going to camp on the first two things. We'll, we'll, I'll address the, the next two uh, characteristics of this church next week, of the church in Acts. But they devoted themselves to one another. That was the other thing that was pretty crazy about the pandemic. That, that churches all across the, the nation are divided. You know, it's not ethical to make people wear masks inside the church building. 
or it's not ethical to not make them wear masks, right? That you're not loving if you, don't, if you refuse to get vaccinated or that you're not loving um, if you do get vaccinated. You're a sheep if you do get vaccinated or you're, you know, on and on and on it goes. In the Bible, it's a good thing to be a sheep, right? Followers of Jesus. Um, the church has been so divided. This is why pastors are leaving in droves. They're just quitting. They're like, I had enough. Not only do the sheep bite, but sometimes they suck. Pastors included. <laughs> and so, uh, so, so these Christians devoted themselves to one another. It didn't matter what was going on around them. You know what bound them together? It was Jesus Christ. That's what bound them together. They were, um, they were committed to what Jesus said. Jesus said, there are, I have a list of things that Jesus said. There are a lot of one another verses in the New Testament. A lot of them. Uh, I'm not going to read all of them. In fact, I'll read hardly any of them. I will just read uh, five of them, five of the seven that Jesus said, and there's a whole bunch more in the, in the New Testament. But he said this, a new commandment I give you, that you what? Love one another. Just as I loved you, you also are to what? Love one another. Is there a theme here? <laughs> By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love for one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another. As I have loved you, these things I have commanded you so that you will, what? Love one another. And Jesus said, listen, the way the world is going to know that you belong to me is by the love that you have for one another. The most apologi the powerful apologetic witness of the gospel that people will ever experience is the love that Christians have for one another. Not by what divides them. And honestly, friends, like in, in the... I'm a... I'm even hesitant to label myself an evangelical because that's been so washed out. So what that means now, to be an evangelical now is associated with being Republican <laughs> or loving Donald Trump <laughs> when we ought to be known for loving Jesus Christ. Like, I, I want to be known as a Christ follower, right? A follower of Jesus. And, and, and so these Christians, they were followers of Jesus and, and because they were followers of Jesus, they, they, they had this bond that they shared with one another. I mean, there are other verses in the New Testament that talk about one another. Like, I'll, I'll just read them. They won't be on the screen here. You can find them on my manuscript. But be devoted to one another. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Serve one another in love. That's Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Ephesians 5, or no, yeah, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's Ephesians 5, verse 21. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. And as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Like, we should serve one another <laughs> out of our love for one another. This is why the Apostle John said what he said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. Let's read this together. Ready? Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. 
But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, the reality is this. Uh, when we're, as we're called to love one another, I, I can guarantee you in the first century church, not every Christian was hanging out all the time with, with uh, you know, every other Christian. Like there were, there were Christians in this group in Acts chapter 2 who had more in common with other individual Christians in this group. They probably had uh, friendships that were deeper than other friendships in this group. But they understood one thing, and that is that they were family. That, they, that, their, that their bond was stronger than any blood relationship that they had in the world, and that bond is Jesus Christ. It's, it's like the, when I you know, sat in front of my wife's grandmother who, wanted to, who wasn't sure about me and wasn't sure if it would be a good idea for me to, to be married to her granddaughter. And... Um, and said, you know, just like the reason why we don't want uh, Roy Ma to marry you is because, you know, she belongs to the Kachin tribe. And just like in Israel, God told Israel not to marry outside of their tribe, we don't want her marrying outside of her tribe. It wasn't a racial thing or a racist thing. It was actually very practical. They, Myanmar is on the other side of planet Earth, where America, from where America is situated. Who wants to have their daughter live on the other side of planet Earth? Some of you are like, I can barely stand that my daughter lives in the, the, the next state over, right? So, uh, so I said to her, I said, and, and many of you know this story, but I share it again. Uh, I said to her, I said, I understand. I'd understand that more if I were not a Christian, but I am a Christian. And the thing is, is that that we belong to the same tribe. We belong to the tribe of Judah. And our tribal colors are the same. Red, the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, we're family. And then she said, you have permission to marry my granddaughter. I was like, <laughs> like that. Um, even gave me a Kachin name, Zalgum Lapai. Lapai, the clan name. Zalgum, first son. And so that, that is what some know me as in, in, in my family in Myanmar. But uh, <clears throat> we, share, you know, what binds us together is red, the blood of Jesus Christ. Our tribal colors are the same. It doesn't matter what state you're from or what, what part of the country you're from. Uh, we, we share a common bond. And the world should be able to see that and say, wow, there's something different about them. And it doesn't matter who they voted for. It doesn't matter if they were vaccinated or unvaccinated. It doesn't matter if they're still wearing masks or not wearing masks. But what binds them together is the blood of Jesus Christ. What binds them together is this love that they share with Jesus and this love that they have for one another. And the only way to experience that, brothers and sisters, is together, right? Like you can't really experience the one another, you know, I don't, it's not on here anymore, the one another passages if we're not together, if we're not fellowshipping with one another, if we're not breaking bread together. The author of Hebrews says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. How do, well, how do we not neglect in doing that? Well, or how do we do that better? By not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some 
but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And the day that's drawing near that the author of Hebrews was referring to is when Jesus comes back again. And you know what I know? In light of this passage, the return of Jesus is much sooner than it was when the author of Hebrews wrote Hebrews chapter 10. He's coming. (laughs) He's coming, and we ought to be ready. And, And we do that better together loving one another, encouraging one another, lifting up one another. And you know, when you genuinely love another person, inherent and genuine love is being honest with one another, speaking the truth into each other's lives, right? Which I can't, I can't uh, expect to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ apart from you, Meadowbrook, apart from my life group. Like I will, if I'm a Christian on an island all to myself, I will shrivel up and, and wilt. And so will you. We need one another. And so they were devoted to the word of God, they were devoted to one another. And then we'll, next week we'll look at that they were devoted to prayer and they were devoted um, to the mission of God. But I just want to share a few things. It was neat going over this sermon, the, uh, which was very similar to the one I preached in 2019, to look at, like I had these points in my manuscript of where I saw Meadowbrook going. And I talked about, we need to get serious about children's ministry. And in that sermon, I said, we're going to bring on a person to oversee children's ministry. And we brought on Mika at the time. She's right there, so I'm looking at her. Uh, <clears throat> And now Ashley's been overseeing it, and now we're, we're looking at filling that position again. And, and so I, I talked about youth ministry can no longer be kind of a footnote, something that, that we just, that happens out in the bunker. So we brought on Brian uh, to oversee uh, our youth ministry and kind of rebuild it, and, and that's like a thing. Like we have now in our children's ministry on Sunday morning upwards of 50 kids on a Sunday in these different classes. In our, ch- in our youth ministry, we have anywhere between 20, 25 kids or more. Uh, our young adult life group can have anywhere between 7 to, to you know, 15 young adults. Like God is doing something here. And some of the things that uh, we you know, are, are visioning and, and planning and, and praying over is just what will Meadowbrook look like five years from now? And how do we get there? You know, so because Meadowbrook is growing, and uh, and that's an that's a fun thing, that's an encouraging thing. But 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 you know, what is God calling us to do? And so some of the things that that we've done, well, one is that that we hired the Unstuck group to come in and help us think through some things. I've shared this with you all to to help us think through the next five years. What what will that look like for Meadowbrook? And uh, out of that came some action points. You know, one of the, the most practical things that you're going to see is a welcome center out in the, out in the cafe area. Because one, one of the things that became obvious to us through the help of the Unstuck group is that if you're like not a Christian or if you're just walking into the doors here at Meadowbrook for the first time, it could feel like you're on planet Mars. And, uh, and so we should do everything that we can to make this place as welcoming as possible, where you're not trying to figure out where you're going to drop your kids off. Um, or, or what kind of church is this, or, or you know, a host, host of other questions. So that's where this came out of. You know, we, you now have a bulletin, because, and you have something that you can, 
you can tear off and, and, and indicate prayer requests and things that you're interested in. Um, how many of you got a bulletin when you came in here, by the way? Okay. Um, how many didn't? Okay. So, uh, good. So now I know most of you have one of these. Uh, I have a point. I'm wrapping this up. But we have a welcome center. So uh, one of the things that we want to do is just to, to be able to help people get plugged into Meadowbrook. And the other thing that's happening right now is we're creating a discipleship pathway where we believe that discipleship begins before conversion. Because if you're opening up the book and helping people understand who this Jesus is, why he came, and what it means to follow him, uh, discipleship begins before conversion. But we were, we're creating a discipleship pathway here at Meadowbrook so that from the moment you walk in the door, we can help you become a better follower of Jesus. Like our partnership class that we do, like we're, gonna, we're scrapping that. And we're, we're writing something in its place so that, by, so that when a person wants to, to understand more about Meadowbrook or get plugged in, that by the end of the partnership, I don't even know if we'll call it partnership class, we're still figuring that out, but by the end of it, they will be plugged into a life group, they will, find, they will be plugged into some area where they can serve here at Meadowbrook, and um, they will learn how to share their faith, share the gospel with their neighbors, and they'll have a better understanding of how to study the Bible. Like, those are the things that will come through that. Um, we're looking at offering classes, you know, to help parents parent better, and, uh, and, and, you know, other, like, financial classes and other things. Like, all of that's coming in the next, you know, in the next year, but hopefully in the next three months we'll have something pretty tangible. And so, you know, what we need now Meadowbrook is growing. We have a, a, a really great children's ministry. Um, one of our greatest needs is in one of, I think, one of the more important ministries that Meadowbrook offers, and that's Children's Church. And we need more volunteers. We need more people to help out. Like, we want to offer uh, nursery and children's ministry in both services. We can't do that because we don't have enough volunteers. So um, I'm not going to guilt you into saying, oh, I'll sign up. But I want you to consider it. I want you to consider volunteering at least once a month in our children's ministry. It could be in any age group. Our, I think our biggest need is probably um, nursery. I don't know where Ashley is, but yeah, her family, they're all nodding, yep. <laughs> right now, okay, so Brian and Ashley and, and their daughters and sons, they're going to be moving on because, like I mentioned last week, like, Brian physically, health-wise, cannot cannot live at high altitude, altitude. And there are some exciting things that are in the process that he's going to share about in the weeks to come that I'm excited about. But when they step down, Ashley will also be moving on, right? Because <laughs> it would be weird if she stayed here and Brian <laughs> took his kids and to wherever. So, so that's a huge need. You know who is making our nursery possible in our first service? Ashley and their daughters. I think we might have one other person who signed up. But, so I want you to consider that. What I, what I said to my son about something I wanted him to do, not related to ministry, it's related to being a, a good adult, uh, is I said, here's what I, you need to do, and I want you, before you even decide what you're going to do, I want you to go pray about it. And he looked at me, he's like, okay. Because <laughs> he knows what, I was right, and he knew that if he was going to pray about it, God was going to say, your dad is right. Um, so I want you to pray about it. 
I want you to go home and pray about your place in serving at Meadowbrook and if God is calling you, not how you feel, but if God is calling you to uh, help out in our children's ministry. How many of you are plugged into a life group? Raise your hand. Okay, for those of you who are not, say um, there is, do we have, we have life group on here somewhere? I think we do. Um, if we don't, we don't. But indicate on here you want to be part of a life group. It would be really good for you to be plugged into a life group. And there are a whole host of other things here. Like the best way to grow as a Christian is to serve and to, get, and to, to rub shoulders with other followers of Jesus who can speak into your life. Right? Because I, I, we love our life group. It is vital for, for, I feel like it's vital for my own soul. And so, so there are a number of things that are happening. Next week I'm going to talk about uh, you know, th- this group that was devoted to prayer and devoted to uh, the mission of God, and I'll unpack some other things that's happening at Meadowbrook uh, towards the end of that message. If you want to be baptized, uh, you can actually indicate that on your bulletin and just tear off the th- this uh, thing and, and put it in the box on your way out. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're, that you're saying, I'm going to definitely be baptized, but if you want to know more about baptism, I'd love to meet with you. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what you're doing you know, in and through this church, but not just through Meadowbrook. You're doing it through um, Berean. You're doing it through you know, the Evangelical Free Church that's in Cheyenne. You're doing it through Calvary Chapel. You're doing it through Cheyenne Hills. God, you're doing a work through many churches in this city, and, and you, have a, a, you have a love for this city and for this state, for people to to hear the gospel, and you have commissioned us, you have called us to, to be your hands, to be your feet, to bring the gospel to people who so desperately need it. God, use us for your glory and for the good of this city, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.